For the last couple weeks, we have been going through the armor of God found in Ephesians 6. And today we are going to be talking about the shoes of peace. And every week uh, when we are going through this series, I just want to uh, have someone come up and, and read the whole section. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 in a, a different translation. And so last week, uh, Keith read out of the Passion Translation. And there was some interesting wording in there that, that uh, showed me a couple things. And this morning, Dan Raya is going to read from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And he's going to read out of the New Living Translation. So Dan, why don't you come on up and read. And then Dan is going to pray for us after Morning, church. This is New Living Translation. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions and every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me. Two, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. I did a little commentary. Go for it. Say whatever you want. The microphone's yours. I'm just so struck that Paul's sitting there in chains. And he doesn't say, pray for me that these chains would fall off. You know, he's praying that he would have the courage and the strength to pray boldly and to speak boldly the word of God. And how often I sit in my chains or my discouragement, my darkness, and I forget that aspect. So I just love that reminder. So I'm going to share it with you. Let's pray. Father, we come boldly before you this morning, Lord. And thank you for the, the presence of Jesus this morning. I'm just reminded of coming in your presence, the light and the joy and the peace that it brings in the midst of a, a dark world and discouragement. Thank you for that gift, God. What a gift that is that we live in freedom to be able to do that. And we pray now, God, that you would just walk the aisles here and touch lives and hearts, that whatever burdens people bring to your house this morning, God, that they would experience the power and the presence of Jesus and the word of God would transform them. We pray that we would learn about the armor and put on the armor we all come here this morning, God, maybe our, our sword got knocked out of our hand this week, or our shield got pushed down. We pray, God, we would fasten that armor once again and be refreshed this morning to hold that word of truth up high for this next week ahead. We love you. We give you all the glory in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. I really love the 
the section that Dan highlighted. Um, that really hit me too. Here's, here's Paul is in, in chains, in house arrest. And the thing that he's asking for is that the gospel would go forward. And that's, that needs to be our prayer every single day. That whatever's going on in our lives, wherever we're at, whatever we find ourselves, whether it's at a coffee shop or a school or whatever, that, that really the deepest desire of our life has to be that the gospel goes forward with power. That people come and encounter their Savior, Jesus Christ. That God's glory would be seen here in West Michigan and that hearts would be so softened and so open to the gospel because that is, is what we're living for. That's what we're all about is that people would walk with Jesus, surrender all to Jesus. And so I love the picture that we have of Paul saying, whatever happens in my life, it's all for the sake of the gospel. That's what, how he is living. And oh, that we would live that same way. Well, this morning, we're on the third piece uh, of the armor of God. And I want you to look at your feet right now. Go ahead and look at your feet. I want you to ask yourselves, what do your shoes say about you? What do your shoes say about you? Some people wear shoes for fashion. Anybody like shoes for fashion? I'm looking around. People are like, don't look at my feet. Don't look at my feet. Some people wear shoes for, for fashion. Some people wear shoes for protection um, in a very practical way. Others, it's just all about functionality and comfort. I mean, Barry's wearing Crocs, you know, and uh, he told me that. She's like, look at these. Um, and shoes can tell a lot. Uh, you can tell a lot about a person from their shoes and, uh, and what they're wearing. I want to just take you on a little bit of the history of my life, okay, this morning through my shoes, all right? I brought a bag here, and I want to show you a couple pairs of shoes, and we're going to talk all about shoes this morning. Um, so here, I, I want to show you, is this first pair of shoes. Oop, nice catch there. Anybody guess, these are you know, some work boots that I have. Anybody guess when I purchased these boots? What's that? 93. You are exactly right. Yeah, how do you know? My goodness. So I purchased these in uh, the fall of 1993. I was a sophomore at Calvin College. My dad came up to uh, visit me, and we went to the mall there. And I forget the little store that we went, but um, that was this was the trend back then, and it kind of recycled. And uh, I don't know if it's still these kind of shoes are still in style now, or or they're gone. But um, this was the trend, and so I did not purchase these for work boots, even though there's a nice steel toe in the front. Um, I purchased them strictly for fashion. I'm like, Dad, you've got to get me these boots. And so these are like little Colorado boots and steel toe. And these have lasted, like my math is, you know, how, how many years is that? That's a lot of years that these have lasted. And they have moved from, they have moved from being fashion boots to actually being work boots. And I've used these to uh, gut and uh, uh, demolish a couple homes and numerous work projects. And so these actually did turn into to work boots and I still wear them today. Um, here's a second pair. Um, Oh, these in here. These I purchased, not in 1993, but these I purchased after I was praying, praying to God. And I said, uh, these are Ugg boots and, and they're a little bit more expensive than I would pay for boots. But I was praying and I said, God, if you have me here in Michigan and it's cold, I'm going to buy some uh, nice boots that are gonna keep my feet warm because my toes get really cold in the winter and I don't want big, heavy, clunky boots. 
And so I said, all right, if you're going to have me in Michigan, I'm going to spend a couple hundred bucks on some boots and, and my toes are going to be warm. And so I purchased these a couple years ago. And so if you ever see me get rid of these, that means I'm moving to a warmer climate and I won't need these. So these um, are Ugg boots and uh, keep my feet warm So um, and also are nice and light and can, can run around uh, with those. Like, here's another pair. These actually got me in trouble when I purchased these. Another one, like, guess how many years ago I purchased these bad boys? Anybody? 1993, you want another guess? So these were purchased in December of 1995. And you're like, Dave, how did you remember the date when you purchased these shoes? Do you guys, like, have that close of a connection with your shoes that you remember exactly when they're purchased? These were purchased in 1995, and the reason that I remember that when I bought them, and I still wear them today, so many years later... My dad was so mad at me when I purchased these boots because I was on my way back home for a Christmas break. My nephew was born in December of 1995. That's how I remember. And my dad, I walked into uh, the hospital and, and saw my sister and my nephew. My dad looked at these and he goes, how much did you spend on those? And I'm like, 110 bucks, which was a lot in 1995. But my dad, growing up, we always went to Payless Shoe Source. And we went from one pair of shoes to the next. They last like a couple weeks, and then there's holes in them, and then you'd have to throw them away. And I'm like, Dad, I'm going to buy some nice shoes so they actually last, because you buy them for 20 bucks, and then you got to get a new pair like every other week. And sure enough, so many years later, I still have these, and my dad doesn't have his cheap uh, shoes from uh, Payless Shoe Store. So these were um, from 1995, and I still wear those. Here's Here's some ones that I don't uh, like wearing all that often. Um, dress shoes that I wear to a wedding or a funeral, but actually if I do a funeral, I try to get out of uh, wearing dress shoes. And so if somebody that I know passed away were very casual, I'm like, I'm gonna be casual at your funeral, I'm not gonna wear dress shoes. So these um, are very uh, rarely, uh, rarely worn. Um, I would say another pair of shoes, you know, you probably have these in your, uh, in your closet, sandals, you know, for, for those uh, nice summer months. And these are, are shoes that I prefer to wear. Um, but actually, probably my favorite uh, pair of shoes, I'll just have a pile there, are the shoes that I'm wearing today, just running shoes. And back in the, the late 90s, I started to run. And when I realized after working out and lifting weights, I'm not going to get like super big. I just don't have the genetics for it. I'm like, I'm just going to start to run and have purchased running shoe after running shoe after running shoe. And actually, as I think about running shoes, I think about the number of connections that I've made with people and who I've run with and the amount of prayer time that I have had just out running and the amount of peace that has come uh, to me as I've been running. And people always laugh, like, Dave, why do you go running all the time? I'll see you on the road and you're running. And they're like, I'm not going to run unless somebody chases me. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm just getting out of the house and I'm just getting kind of kind of just a, into a spot of relaxation. Well, we could talk about shoes and just keep going on and on and on. But to pick up from the running shoe part of it, the truth of the matter is there is someone chasing you. There is somebody in pursuit of you. There's two people, actually, and, and one is that we have a loving God who is in pursuit of each and every one of us. Jesus said uh, that he came to seek and save the lost. And so I'm so thankful that we have a Father, that we have a Savior who is pursuing us. But we also have an enemy who's pursuing us. First Peter, now we're talking about the armor of God. First Peter says that we have an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That he comes to steal kill and destroy. 
And because that is reality, because that is happening today and in our lives today, that we are in a spiritual battle, that is why we want to talk about spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God. And we want to be prepared. And so Paul, writing from uh, house arrest, writing uh, in chains, he can see a Roman soldier you know, right in front of him. He looks at this Roman soldier looking at the, the armor that he would put on. And he says, I'm going to write to believers in Ephesus. I'm going to say, hey, you need to put on an armor as well. And so the last couple of weeks, we've talked about pieces of the armor of God. In the first week, we talked about the belt of truth, that we are to put on the belt of truth. And really what this one communicates is that we have to be ready every single day that we are in a battle, that we're going to put on the belt of truth. And this is the first thing that a soldier would put on. He would put on the belt around his waist. The belt would hold his dagger and his sword would also protect him from uh, getting hit in certain spots. But also, mostly, the, the soldier would hike up his tunic so that he could go throughout town ready to engage in battle and wouldn't be tripped over his tunic. And so the question that I would have us ask every single day is, are we ready for the battle that is going that we're going to face on that day? Are we ready for the battle that we're going to face? The second thing that we talked about last week was the breastplate of righteousness. That in Proverbs, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. A soldier would put on the breastplate of, made up of iron or bronze, protect the most vital organs, because a, a soldier would know that one shot in the heart and he would be toast. And so Paul links that and says, you have to guard your heart. You have to protect your heart every single day. Protect it by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. We talked last week about righteousness and the importance of walking in righteousness. And if we don't walk in righteousness, if we're walking in unrighteousness, there are opportunities for the devil to get into our lives. And are we walking in righteousness every single day? Well, the third piece that we want to talk about is actually the last piece of armor that a soldier would put on every single day. The next three pieces that we'll talk about in upcoming weeks are things that they would, would grab when the fighting got absolutely the fiercest. And so this is the last piece of a soldier's regular uniform that they were to put on every single day. And it was shoes or actually sandals. And you look at these sandals and you look like, okay, they're not the, the thing that's going to protect your feet all that much. And actually they were not, the purpose was not for them to protect their feet. The shield that we'll get to next week was actually uh, put in place to protect a, a soldier's feet. These were more purposeful. These were used, um, they're, they're made of leather and they, you can see that they have the holes in them. They, were, they had a, a great functionality. And as a soldier was going through, if they went through water, if they went through, uh, if their feet got wet, they dried quickly. They kept their feet cool. In the winter, they would wear um, wool socks to, to keep their feet warm, kind of like that 90s Birkenstock look with the, the wool socks that they would keep their feet warm. But the biggest thing about these shoes was actually what they had on the bottom. And if you look at the bottom, that's where they got their, act, their most functionality. They had these spikes on the bottom. And these actually spikes were uh, nails that were driven through the, the soles of the, the boots or the sandals. And then this, these nails would come out the bottom and then they would snap them off. And these nails on the bottom, these little studs, uh, there's another picture of them, would actually give a soldier a tremendous amount of traction. And so as they were going over rocky terrain, as they were going through the mud, they could actually um, have a lot of tra traction and move. 
And so two of the things that, that stood out about these sandals was that they were used for stability, but also for mobility. Stability so that they could stand firm, so that their feet weren't slipping as they were going hand-to-hand combat with uh, their enemy, but also mobility so that they could grip and go when they needed to go and not slip and fall on their face. And so Paul says, put on the sandals, put on shoes fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And what's interesting is that Paul links the sandals or the shoes with peace. And why did he do that? Well, first of all, I want to talk about peace. Have you, why don't you look at Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 12. Paul is talking to a, uh, a city, people who grew up in a city that really didn't have a whole lot of peace in it. There was competition between people in this city that was, um, had a lot of people in it, where people were going in and out, a lot of business people, a lot of people that were trying to climb the social ladder, trying to say, like, I'm better than this other person. There was a constant competition and fighting. There was even fighting within the church, which is what uh, Paul was, was uh, addressing when he wrote the book of Ephesus. And so Paul is reminding them of their life before Jesus. And talking about the peace that they did not have. Look at verse um, 11 and 12 in Ephesians 2. Paul is reminding them, he says this, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, was made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I just want to stop right there. Like, that is a pretty sad picture. He says, you at one time were were separated. You were separated from Christ. And actually, there was a division between you and Christ. Actually, more than that, you were enemies with Christ. You were also alienated. Alienated from, from Israel, alien, you didn't belong, you were excluded. And the picture there is a, a picture of like a group of people that aren't talking. One group wasn't talking to another, and they, he was saying, Paul was saying to them, like, you were alienated from Israel, you were on the outside. You were strangers, you had no clue about the promises of God and how much God loved you. But the saddest part is he said, you had no hope in this world. You were without God. I think about hope, and I think like once all hope is lost, that's a pretty desperate situation. When there is no hope, when somebody loses hope, it's like they've just given up, and there's no future for them. Think of um, my uh, my wife Cece likes uh, reading, listening about uh, those uh, those kids that were trapped in a mine or trapped in a cave. And I asked her yesterday, and, and, and I said, what was the secret to them getting out? How did they keep them uh, going for you know, day after day after day? And she said that they worked on their mind and filled them with hope so that they could hold on one more day. Hope is so important. And here Paul is talking to the believers in Ephesus, and he said, remember that at one time you were without hope. You had no hope. You were without God. Your condition was absolutely desperate. And then he goes on and he says this. And he says, but now, verse 13, in Christ, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have both access in one spirit to the Father. And so Paul is saying, he came and he preached peace to you. Peace so that you could be reconciled to God the Father so that you could have peace and relationships with one another. And there's so much that we could talk about in this verse. But the thing that I want to just highlight today in this whole topic of peace is in verse 14. He says this, he says, peace the peace that we're to have to the, to the peace that we're to pursue, the peace that we are to have, is not some abstract idea. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. Peace comes from knowing Jesus. Peace comes from having a relationship with Jesus. Peace comes with knowing the one who promised never to leave us or forsake us. The one who promised to be with us to the very end of the age. That is where our peace comes from. And if you think about that, the peace that comes from knowing Jesus, Jesus is our peace. The fact that you and I are so accepted, are so loved, are so valued if we put our faith in Jesus. There should be so much peace that comes from that. I mean, think about how God the Father interacted with Jesus when he was here on earth. Go back to his baptism. When Jesus was baptized, before he performed one miracle, before he taught one lesson, before he picked out his disciples, before he went to the cross, he was baptized, and as he came out of the water, bird <coughs> fell on him, descended from heaven, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus' identity wasn't based on his activity. The love of the father wasn't based on the activity of the son. It was based on purely the fact that he was God's son. So he was accepted and loved and valued just because he was a son. And the same is true with you and I, that if we put our life in Jesus, if we put our faith in Jesus, what we receive from God the Father is the same thing that Jesus received from him, that we're accepted, that we're loved, that we are valued, that there's never a time when we are alone. And that should give us so much peace in our lives. That there's nothing that we can do to earn the approval of God anymore. In a culture in Ephesus where they are constantly wondering, did the gods approve of me? Here, Paul says, you know what? You are loved and valued all because of what Jesus did for you. This is where our peace should come from. And frankly, as followers of Jesus, peace should be our default. Regardless of any situation that we go through, we should be filled with peace because we are with Jesus. Jesus also said this in John 14 when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said this, the gift that he gives in addition to the Holy Spirit. He says, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. How much peace did Jesus have? So much peace just because he knew the Father. He goes, my peace I give to you. Unending peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So every day, we are to put on these shoes of peace, these shoes fitted with the, the, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so I have to ask, like, what does this mean practically for our lives? What does this mean practically for our day-to-day -day lives living in 2021 in the world that we find ourselves in? 
First of all, when we put these shoes on every single day, and it's something that we have to do every single day, there should be a stability or strength that comes into our lives. And so the question that we have to ask is, what gives you stability today? What helps you stand strong today? I mean, I don't have to convince you that there's so much instability in the world that we live in today. I mean, you just hop on the news. I don't hop on the news all that much, but like this week I, I was on a website and, and people were freaking out about the, um, the, the price of gas and utility prices going through the roof and, and wondering, okay, are we going to have enough energy uh, to, to heat our homes and do different things? And people were freaking out about that. You know, a lot of our Christmas presents are all probably floating off the, the coast of California in container ships. And who knows if we're going to get those for Christmas. And so in this world of instability, the question is like, where do we find stability? And you and I know this. Stability is only found, strength is only found when we put our feet firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ. And Paul says this, he prays for us. He says, I want you to be rooted and established in this. I want your, your roots to go so down in Jesus that you can stand strong in the midst of any storm of your life. And the storms will come. There will be changes in your life. There will be different seasons that you find yourselves in. There will be good season where, seasons where you're like, I mean, things are going amazingly well. And there are bad seasons when everything just seems to be falling apart. There will be times when relationships are good in your life. And then also times when relationships are bad in your life. But we can't have our peace linked to circumstances in our lives. Our peace firmly has to be firmly planted in Jesus. And that is the only way that we're going to be able to stand firm. This word readiness that Paul uses, the readiness of the gospel of, of peace, it's talking about a steadfastness, a firm foundation. And that only comes when you surrender, give your life fully to Jesus every single day. And so how does this look practically? How do we find stability? I was thinking about this this week. And again, blown away by the leadership team here at Restoration Church. Because when we think about the, the unknown future, we have four weeks left in this, in this building. And it's like, okay, what is next? And as I go back to our meeting on Tuesday night, and as we prayed and as we talked, I was blown away because there was no one who was freaked out. Everyone said, you know what? Jesus has got it. We're good. Because our, our feet are firmly planted in him. He'll show us the next step. But I also think about like my life too, how this has, has played out practically in my life. Because somebody asked me this week, it's like, Dave, how do you deal with all the things that people may or may not say about you? I've been in ministry for 25 years. And just so you know, like you stand up here and talk and, and people have an opinion about things that you say or things that you don't say. Things that you do or things that you don't do. And people like to talk. I don't know if you know this. Like, people do talk. And someone said, how do you stand firm? And you know what? Every single day, this is so important. Every single day, I'm reminded of the truth that comes from the Word of God and how God sees me. And I'm not looking for the approval of men. All that I'm looking for is to be loved by my Father in heaven. And so I can go through my life every single day firmly planted on the rock of Jesus. And no matter what anybody says... Yes, sometimes it hurts. I'm human. I just got to be honest. But I know my value and my worth comes from my Savior, Jesus. And that's how we can stand strong. These shoes that we put on every day should make us stand so strong and be, be, not be able to be easily moved. There should be a stability that comes in our lives. And so every day I sit in this chair and I read the word. And some would say, well, that's legalistic. 
I'm like, that's a bunch of rules. You're just doing that every day. I'm like, no, it's all about relationship. And I can get to know my Father in Heaven who absolutely loves me. So these shoes that we put on help us stand strong every single day. But it also helps us be mobile. And it gives us purpose in our life. Because the shoes were meant for a soldier to walk, to move. And the same is true as the church. We were never meant to hunker down and live this life of protection where we all stay together. No, we were given a mission to go. In fact, in Luke 9 and 10, Jesus sent out people two by two. And he said, go and tell people about me. Go and heal the sick. Cast out the demons. Go and do that. Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. We have a, a Jesus, a Savior, who wants us to go, who wants us to, 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 to live a life of purpose. And so putting the shoes on our feet every single day gives us purpose. That we were to go tell people about how they can have peace with God. Whether you're at your job or school or wherever, having coffee with somebody, you have a purpose. And the purpose is what Dan Raya shared, is to proclaim the gospel over and over again. Whether you're in prison or whether you're free, that is our job. But also I love this picture of sandals as being one that we are constantly called to be people who are advancing in their lives. To taking back ground that the enemy has taken from us. And so where do you need to take back some of the ground that the enemy has taken? Where do you have to be really um, intentional and proactive instead of just kind of complacent in life? I think about so many different things. I think about the, the thoughts that we have in our mind. Putting on the, the sandals of peace helps with that. Taking back the ground that the enemy has taken, the thoughts that we have. And reminding ourselves of the truth of who we are in Christ. I think about parents in this room. You're to be on the offensive when it comes to your kids. They're not the enemy. You're supposed to be offensive and, and raise them to be followers of Jesus. And I think about God has selected each and every one of you, parents. Whether your kids came into your life uh, biologically, or whether you adopted them, or whether they're just in your home for a little bit of time, you are to be intentional and to pray over them, to speak words of truth over them. To raise them in such a way that points them to our Savior, Jesus Christ. I think of marriages. Marriages that are under attack on a, on a daily basis. Jesus said this about marriage. He said, what God has brought together, let no one separate. Well, you and I know if God has brought a marriage together, brought, God has brought people together, the enemy is going after that marriage. And so are you praying over your spouse? Are you praying for your spouse? Or are you just complaining about your spouse? Are you praying for them? Are you serving them? Putting on the sandals of peace gives you purpose in your marriages. There's so many different ways that this plays out. Every day that we are to be people of action, looking for opportunity to take back ground that the enemy has robbed from us. Because the enemy, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's on the prowl looking for people to, to devour. And so we must stand strong and also go on the offensive. I think one of the biggest areas, though, that the enemy attacks is in the area of relationships. And we are called as people of God, as followers of Jesus, to be peacemakers. Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be sons of God. So in every situation, we are to bring peace. We are to be people of peace. And if you have conflict in your life, if you have a problem in your life, and you ever come and talk to me, I will probably share my favorite verse that I pour out, that I share every time I'm in pastoral counseling with somebody. And it's this, 
up on the screen. Romans 12, verse 18. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peace, peaceable with all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. So where do you need to bring peace into a situation? Where are the relationships in your life that are broken, that are divided? Where do you need to go in and have those hard conversations? Where you need to ask somebody, not pointing out their faults, but asking, how did I hurt you? Where did I hurt you? And listen and forgive and ask for forgiveness. Because I think this is a big area. The enemy is after relationships. And as people who are followers of Jesus, who are putting on those sandals of peace every single day, we are to be peacemakers. And as far as it depends on us, we are to live at peace with everyone. And so I want you to look at your shoes again. And every day this week, I want you to look at your shoes. And I want you to ask these questions. Where are you finding stability in your life? Where are you finding stability in your life? What is causing you to stand strong? Every day, are you putting your feet firmly on the gospel of Jesus Christ? Firmly anchored in your identity, being in Christ and not in anything else in your life. And then also, as you look at your shoes, are you asking, all right, Lord, where are we going today? What is the purpose that you have for my life today? Where are we going? Where do I need to be on the offensive? Because the grip that we are going to have with our shoes, we're going to have grip in the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be people of purpose every single day. And so these shoes that we're called to wear every day, I think they, can, they have so much meaning for our life. They give us strength and they also give us purpose. Not just shoes to wear on for fashion, but shoes to put on for a purpose. And so let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that our hope is in you. God, I thank you for the, the, the way that you see us, the value that we have that comes directly from you. Thank you that that doesn't change. Thank you that that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you see us through the lens of your son, Jesus, if we put our faith in him. Thank you for the hope that, that we have in that. Thank you that we can stand strong in the midst of a, a world that has gone mad, in the midst of a world that there, and there's, where there's so much instability. Thank you that we can be your people that every single day can stand strong and have so much peace because, Jesus, you never change. And you never leave us and you never forsake us. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for the, the strength that comes from knowing you. But also, God, as we, uh, as we wrap up this morning, there is a world that needs to know you, Jesus. And you have equipped us. You have called each and every one of us to, to go into different places. And so I ask right now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would show us where we are to go and where we are to speak boldly the truth that we have found in you, Jesus. I pray that we would not be uh, timid or shy, that we would not cower in fear, that we, but that we would be uh, fearless because you are with us. And we pray this all in your mighty name, Jesus.